Alright, alright, welcome to Made Men Mondays. This is your man DB, transforming from a trauma victim into a victor over trauma and your emotional responsive coach. You are now inside the Made Men Project where every Monday we are bringing you an empowering personal message to dismantle society's false sense of masculinity and change the male narrative. Thanks for coming through today. Pain is inevitable. It is actually a great opportunity for growth. But when we blame or fail to take responsibility for our suffering, the pain becomes stagnant and stagnant pain can have a compounding effect if left unchecked. Actor Romney Melko. <clears throat> My guest today is the great Dr. Vincent Miles. I first came to know Dr. Miles while attending Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology, where he was not only a professor but also a mentor and a much needed voice of support, encouragement, and also accountability for myself and every other student on that campus. Dr. Miles shares his journey from just Vincent from Neville, that's Coachville, PA, to Dr. Vincent Miles and why it's important for every man to have a village. Dr. Miles Village is where he's able to be vulnerable while learning and growing from other strong supportive men that make up his village. Make sure you share this podcast with others who you think can benefit from it. Just copy and paste the link. Also remember to subscribe to the Main Man Project and leave us a rating and review. Alright, let's get it. Hey yo fellas, we, we made men. We made men. Try to believe that within. I just wanna be a good man. Okay. I know you all, but tell me you a good man. Tell me you're a So many men are being crushed Societal demands to be tough Yes you, yes you are enough I just wanna be a good man I can't relate to you brother cause you're a Yes you are a I'm right beside you, I'm right behind you I know that life could be hard right? You're not a coward, you got the power For talking about your stars no, you're not so. Let me inspire you, empower you because Society may want to see you fall You got another brother to call So many men are being crushed Societal demands to be tough Yes you, yes, you are enough Don't bluff. Okay I can't relate to you brother Cause you're a Yes you are a Hey, I'm here my brother I love you. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, because you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man. What's up, family? Welcome back to the Made Man Project. I'm your host, DB, and today I'm bringing on my former professor, a mentor of mine, the one and only Dr. Vincent Miles. Today, Dr. Miles is going to help me dismantle society's false sense of masculinity because so many men are being crushed on societal demands to be tough, deny any kind of vulnerability, sensitivity, or any internal hurt or pain. It's time to change that narrative. So this is going to be a great, great show. This man has a lot to offer. He gave so much to us, and I'm so excited about him being on today. But first, really quickly, if you're a man who knows that you have the potential to do great things, but just not sure how to get from where you are to where you want to be trapped in mental and emotional bondage and being crushed on the self-limiting beliefs and behaviors, it's time to stop struggling with the stress, the anxiety, the self-doubt and the fear, and look me up on LinkedIn at DBM Powers and send me a message and we will book your free no-pitch clarity call so you can learn more about me and my team and if and how we can help you master your emotions and begin maximizing your full potential in the next 60 days. Okay, my man, Dr. Miles, what's up? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, man. I feel so honored to man. be a part of this, man. I tell you, 
Hey, I'm the one that's honored, brother. I appreciate everything you have going on, man. And I know you're busy, man. And it's a holiday time. So I just appreciate you making time to come through the project, man. And then share your knowledge and your wisdom, brother. Truly appreciate you. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you having me, man. Just uh, looking back at some of your previous shows and uh, seeing the great men that you had on there yeah. uh, in this series, man, I think it's a great thing that you're doing. And, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you were... As a student, you were one that I knew was going to make an impact somewhere, sometime, but we all have seasons. Yeah. And when operating in seasons, we never know yeah. when our season to shine is. And I believe you're entering into your season. Hey, man, thank you, brother. I truly appreciate you. And you know, from all the brothers up at the tech, man, you were one of the ones that kept us grounded, kept us going. And for those who don't know, what I'm talking about is the wonderful to me. I love this place, Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology. It was a basically for us football people, it was like a junior college. It's a two-year technical school, one of the best schools in the state. And um, Dr. Miles was one of the few African-Americans on, you know, faculty there, but he was so deep and so profound. And he was always giving us knowledge, always there for us as a buffer between the stress and everything we were dealing with, was being at all-male school and dealing with some of the pressures between trying to play football and trying to get our academics straight. But he was always there for us, and I truly appreciate that, man. Oh, yes, sir. Anytime, man. I tell you, uh, that you see was also an experience for me as a student, yeah. uh, me graduating from there in the, uh, right. <laughs> in the mid-'80s, you know, and and having that person in, in the lights of, uh, Mr. Gerald Harrison mm. uh, from Lancaster. He was yeah. a, a motivational force for all of us as students. Yeah. And uh, he was one that uh, did more even after hours, even though he was a counselor, he did more for mm -hmm. us as a track coach, but he did more. He was one of the employees that would come back 11 o'clock at night just to check on us, just to make sure we were good. Mm. And because of people like that, man, I tell you, uh, as some people say, he saved a lot of people's lives yeah. because of the way that he cared. And uh, he was just a great model at Stevens. And I said, man, if I ever get back there, uh, yeah. I'm going to try to make an impact as he did on my life. And, um, you know, and, and just being at Stevens, you know, when uh, being the first African-American male professor mm. uh, in that school, mm. uh, you know, there were some... Uh, uh, there were a lot of challenges yes. that I encountered. But yes. one thing I always said was, I never want you and your generation and those after to have to go through what we had to go through mm. in order to make it across that stage. Mm. And uh, as a student at Stevens, I was the first student attorney. So what I would do is I would represent other students that were on the verge of getting kicked out. Mm. Uh, and if it was dealing with social issues on campus, and I would go in and I would represent them. And um, and I was blessed to be undefeated because none <laughs> of the people I represented as a student, um, they graduated. So so I thank God for that, man, uh, the way he was able to use me even as a student. So coming that, back there as a professor, um, you know, I was labeled as a student, as a militant person, you know, because um, when I was at Stevens, you know, we, um, they would not allow us to have um, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday off. They wouldn't allow that. Mm. And so as students, you know, I remember, um, uh, and I still don't know how it all came together today, but I just remember contacting a few people saying, look, we need to meet. 
round up all the black and Hispanic students on campus. We're going to meet in the basement of this uh, dormitory. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We're going to make a plan. And what we decided to do was we decided that we were going to boycott classes. Mm. And, and it was a success. And they were surprised because they were walking around and said, there are no black or Latino students in class. Right. And what we did was we didn't leave the campus. Right. So on that birthday, we came through and we went and walked the hallways and looked in the classrooms to see if any black or Latinos were in class. Mm. And we didn't do things the appropriate way because we more or less threatened them. Y'all better not go to class. Right. right. This is for us and we need to have this. Yeah. And yeah. I'll never forget the president of the college, Dr. Cohen, had said to the faculty, said, look, if they uh, care this much about this holiday, then everyone should have an excuse absent. And from this point forward, we were now recognized Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday as wow. an actual holiday. So as a student, we were movers and, and shakers in our own right. So thanks to Mr. Harrison letting uh, me and others know that there's a leadership potential in you. Wow. You just got to walk in it. So yeah, so Stevens is like recycling. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. I'm glad that you had the Mr. Harrison to pour, pour into your life because you came back and poured into ours. You know, funny thing, Mr. Harrison was my neighbor growing up. I oh. grew up right there on New Green Street. Yeah, like I grew up across from the football field. I never thought in my life that I would go to that school. But yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Harrison, the granddaughter of Monye, we all grew up together. And he was, yeah, I knew he coached track. I didn't know him as well as you knew him because he was, we always thought he was the mean person on the block, you know, but he was, he was just always on, you know, I was a troublemaker. He was always on me. So especially his wife, Mrs. Harrison, she was strict and she was on me and the rest of the kids on the, on the, on the block, but they were great people though. They were great people. They was providing that structure. So that was awesome. But definitely what Mrs. Harrison did behind the scenes yeah. for many of the students that could not make it home, um, she would prepare food mm. along with Miss um, um, uh, Sis who recently passed away. And what they would do is they would bring food mm. over there for some of the different students of color and others that were in need at night. This is coming out of their own pocket. And see, Mr. Harrison, he was a Hall of Famer uh, mm -hmm. in, in high school and in college mm -hmm. and at Thaddeus Stevens now. And he mm. deserves all of that and more. Absolutely. That's great. That To get that piece of history, I forgot that you actually went there. I did forget about that. You know what I mean? But that's great, man. And you touch up on that real quick. So yes. I want to jump right into it, man, because, you know, I, like I said, man, you were a mentor of mine, a deep, deep, deep guy. And, I, and, and your love and marriage class, you gave me so much insight, just not about women, but just about, on you know, manhood, period. So, you know, it was that was that was big for me right there. But when it comes to you as a child, you know, who and what was your example of a man? You know what, man? My dad, my father was example of, the, of a man uh, in my life because my father came in from uh, South Carolina. Mm. And um, if, if my father was still alive today, he'd be 101 years old. Mm. And so coming up in the South during that time period and making it up here and being successful as he was. Now, he came up here on a seventh grade education. World War II veteran, mm. um, and and I come from a large family. We're 14 deep. I'm the middle mm. child, mm. you know. So um, as a Southern family, you know, he taught us a lot about um, about being the man in our household. And uh, many times he would put us in leadership positions when he would leave um, mm. to do things to try to bring in money because he had he was forced to retire 
uh, back in the early 70s, you know, medically uh, service connected. Uh, he worked for the Veterans Administration Hospital, but in terms of example for manhood, mm -hmm. uh, he was that. And also where I grew up at, I grew up across the street from a steel mill in Coatesville, mm -hmm. uh, Pennsylvania. And, um, and the men on my block worked, mm. all of them worked. Yeah. Now, of course we had our, our winos here and there that right. still took care of our community. Right. Everybody had their roles, yeah. you know what I mean? They had their roles that they were winos, but they looked out for us. Mm -hmm. There was one uh, wino um, that every morning he would go to the bus stop. He would be up there, rain, sleet, snow. If we had school, if it was a delay, in the morning he was there. When we came home from school, he was there. So I was blessed some 20 years or so after I graduated from high school, mm -hmm. uh, I had a chance to talk to him. Yeah. He said, you know what, man, people used to clown me a lot when I, uh, some years ago, yeah. he said, but one thing that I'll let you know is I missed very few days at that bus stop. Mm -hmm. He said, I never wanted anyone to mess with any of my kids because all of you were my kids mm -hmm. and I could not stand for anyone doing any of you wrong. So I stood there to make sure y'all were okay. Wow. And that was, that was one of the winos. So wow. there were lessons learned um, from, from various uh, areas in our community. And I came from uh, poverty yeah. um, and, and our community, even though they worked, you know, I was just talking with a friend of mine. I said, you know, when my dad worked uh, for the Veterans Administration Hospital, he never made uh, uh, $3 an hour. Mm. Now, remember the number of children I said we had? We yeah, were 14. Yeah. So we still survived, man, because we learned the value of family and sticking together. And if it mm. meant we had to go fishing to to eat and, and mm. uh, pick blackberries and whatever it was, we did that. So a, as a man, he taught uh, us about uh, your word being your bond. Your word mm. means more than anything. He says, if you know you're not able to do it, then you let them know you're not able to do it. But don't mm. tell them you're gonna do it and not do it because it's your word. You know, so he taught basic things about being responsible for our households, mm. you know, and, and, and being the covering of our families, mm. you know, cause as the man, we're the covering, even mm. though uh, I'm married, uh, uh, Bridget uh, is, is my wife or Dr. Miles, if she ever listened to this, Dr. Miles, uh, <laughs> she's my wife. Whenever we're out, I'm not Dr. Miles, that's Dr. Miles. Okay. I'm playing, I'm playing old Vince from the bill. Right, you know right. I mean? so, um, <laughs> But he taught us the importance of paying our bills on time. Mm. You know, he taught us about, you know, there's some things, there's a difference between wants and needs. Okay. You know, you take care of your needs. And he said at the same time, enjoy life. Mm. He said, it's okay to save and you should save. You always want to have something put away, but at the same time, enjoy life, man, because you only live once. Mm. You know, so he taught a lot of uh, great things about uh, how to budget and how to uh, pay your bills on time and how to keep documentation right what you've paid right you know so uh and this is seventh grade education i learned more from him and my mother about mm. life than my 10 years of college combined wow. i've learned from them wow. you know so hey a, a lot of uh what i've done and what i do today people look at me and say man that's just like your father Mm. I'm proud to say that was my role model. I didn't have to look off my block to find a role model. 
Right. We're, we're going to uh, uh, funeralize one of my uh, model role models this Sunday okay. in a few days, you know, and when my dad couldn't be there, Mr. Billy London was there. He's the one who passed away, mm. but he was there. Uh, when, when I came off the stage for graduation from high school, I come off that stage. He's the first one with open arms mm. that, that brought me in and hugged me and let me know how proud he was. Of him. But see, this was the men in my community that did this. Wow. We looked, they looked out for us wow. and they were the great models. That's, that's powerful, man. I love to hear that. So tell me, man, how did, I want you to share your story. How did you get from Vince from the Ville to Dr. Vincent Miles? Well, you know what, when, when, um, when I came to college, you know, um, I came because one of my closest friends did not believe in me. Mm. We were in Lancaster and we were going to uh, you know, meet some young ladies. Okay. And we just so happened to come back on the road behind Stevens yeah. on our way back to Coatesville. And we, I looked to the left and I saw where there's people on this track. I said, hold on, man, stop the car. Let's go. Let, I, I'm going to go over here for a minute. Yeah. And, um, and I was already out of school, high school, um, three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, we saw these guys running and I didn't know what it was. So I went up to the, um, the fence was open. I went in there. I said, what is this? Like, like who, what, what team is this? And they said, Oh, you're, we're, we're Stevens, uh, school of technology. That's what it was called back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're, we're a junior college yeah. uh, trade school. I said, for real. So, so like, what, what do you do? Like they said, well, we we're studying like plumbing and carpentry and they said all their majors. And I looked at them and I said, uh, they said, you know, this school is a free school for those that can't afford school. I said, for real? And then I said, well, so who's the fastest one on, on the track? They pointed to him. I went to him. I said, what are your times? He told me what his times were. And I said, look, I'll see you next year. <laughs> I'll see you next year. And so while I was talking to him about, yeah, I'm going to come up here next year. I'm going to apply to come here. And my friend behind my back, which was one of my closest friends at the time, was waving me off behind me like, he's not going to be there. He's going to be right at the Elks with us in Coatesville. He's going to mm. be in this such and such bar here. He's going to do that. But he did not believe in me. Mm. And needless to say, my ex-friend, yeah, that motivated me. You know, I, I, I saw on... Um, on the deaf poets, it was a. Uh, I, I heard a line from a young person that said, "My haters inspire me," mm -hmm. because yes. people that hate on you, I mean, you never hear people hating on people that are doing bad. Right. They only right. hate on those who are doing good and making strides in their life. Mm -hmm. So, with mm -hmm. him not believing in me, that propelled me toward going to take the test to get into the school. Right. And uh, once I. Uh, took the test. Okay, I, I passed and got to the major what I needed to do, and I was just like, okay, now it's time to continue training, because mm -hmm. all the years I sat out of school, those three years, I was still running. Yeah. And I said I can play basketball, so you know, back then we had a chip on our shoulder because we were from Coatesville. You know, right. my high school team was thirty and one, losing to Chester. Right. Right. Uh, okay. You know, state semi. Yeah. You know, so it's like I'm gonna go up there and ball too, but I'm gonna run track. And my goal is to be in the record books up here. Mm. So I was blessed to be in the record books right. up there for track, but all my goals the first year. Uh, and for basketball, we still have the winning, the most, uh, the highest winning percentage in the history of the college. Mm. 
Mm. You know, so I was blessed in doing that. But once I got to Stevens, there were bets. Yeah. By, from the faculty and from <laughs> those who worked there that said, he's too militant and outspoken. He will not make it to Thanksgiving. He's going to be on that Tech Express. Yeah. The, the tech and my <laughs> dorm director at the time, uh, Mr. Roy, he said, Vince, they're just banking on you not making it through here, man. He said, man, you got to show them. So then again, I had doubters yeah. who didn't think I would make it through there. And I went into the field of automotive technology. I didn't know anything about a car. I didn't right. have a license or permit. Right. <laughs> and so my dad was a mechanic. So I went in that direction. Right. And uh, my roommate, Felix Mateo from Reading, mm -hmm. he taught me each part of the car because mm. the only thing I knew was the battery. <laughs> I knew there was an alternator somewhere. Right. And I said, that might be the radiator. But he taught me that. And mm -hmm. I always had the ideology that if you can teach it, I can learn it. So all those bets that were against me from the faculty and, and staff, mm -hmm. the students in my major said he'll never make it because he knows nothing about anything. <laughs> right, right. But that pushed me to excel at Stevens. Yeah. You know, and that's when I founded the organization Tech by Tech fraternity, mm, yeah. um, which is still living on since 1986. And it was the purpose was to bring together students uh, of color mm -hmm. um, to band together to support each other so you can make it across that stage because the retention rates were terrible. Yeah. You know, our students were not graduating. Yeah. They would get put out for certain reasons, not only academically, but for social reasons. They mm -hmm. would get kicked out of, of school. So we band together and we were successful in doing that. Um, and like I said, this is our 34th year. Uh, wow. that have been in existence. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, um, when I graduated from that program, uh, I did pretty good. Yeah. And uh, so I decided to go to Mansfield University. Okay. Uh, and that opened doors there. I was going there to run track and to play basketball, yeah. but I was a non-traditional student. So my academics were first. Okay. And, and so when you're a new student, you know, as, as you may know yourself, when you go to another school, the AD want to make sure you have classes and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so needless to say, I got to Mansfield and they had me in like astrology and uh, <laughs> and all these other books. And I'm like, wait a minute. What do these have to do with my major? Right. Said, Don't worry about it. Just play basketball. So I wow. said, well, you have the wrong athlete. Yeah. Because my education is the most important thing. So needless to say, I decided to not play basketball up there. Wow. And yeah, just at that, I decided to not play and, um, and I was shunned mm. my first two years, my, my two years, the first two years up there, I was shunned. They would not talk to me. They would not speak to me. They excommunicated me mm. because I made that decision to not play. But I told them, if I'm going to come here, my academics are first. Right. So needless to say, I was blessed at Mansfield and um, I broke the color barrier up there for this honors fraternity. Okay. Um, and so in 69 years of existence, they never had a person of color than an African-American male being that mm. person. So I broke the color barrier in that organization. And needless to say, that has been a benefit because I traveled to different campuses. And when I would hit the uh, members with... Uh, you know, the secret words or whatever that you have at a different clubs. Yeah. I didn't have to introduce myself. They said, oh, you're Vincent Miles. Yes, we know, we know about you. We heard about you. 
in that honest fraternity, would you believe they're still paying my dues? I don't have to pay dues or anything for that organization. And that was since 1989. So uh, at Mansfield University, I got recruited in my uh, second year at Mansfield. I got recruited for graduate school. Okay. Because I was there for criminal justice administration yeah. and social welfare, but I got recruited for graduate school for IUP. I'm a sophomore. Right. Uh, you know, my second, yeah, sophomore there. And they said, we'd love to have you. Just keep your grades up and, you know, we, we've heard some things about you. So, hey, just, just keep doing that. And you will not have to pay for your master's. And if you want to stay for your doctorate, we'll pay for that too. And then we'll pay you to come to our school. So I got biweekly checks. <laughs> well, I went there. So uh, um, needless to say, uh, at Mansfield, we, we, we had to protest on certain things mm -hmm. uh, as it came to uh, racial challenges. Mm -hmm. And we did the same thing at IUP. We did sit-ins at the president's office. At Mansfield, we sat in at the president's house, his residence, mm. to make sure we were heard. So I, I think um, activism has been in my bloodstream for a long time. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if things are, are not right, then we speak up against it. Yeah. So, um, so from there, and and um, and getting my doctorate, uh, of course, and master's too. Uh, there were challenges yeah. um, that that would uh, try to slow up my process yeah. of attaining those degrees because of the challenges. It seems like the more education that we strive for, the more barriers and the more challenges yeah. that we have to deal with in yeah. order to achieve those things. You know, so in terms of getting my doctorate, when I entered the field of um, when I entered my program, there were less than 30 black PhDs in the world, not in, in criminology, in the, in the world. world, not the United States, in the world. Mm. So it was my goal to make sure I was in the first 100. So, and I thank God that I've been uh, able to be in that first crew of, of black criminologists. That's awesome. I want to touch on real quick on the challenges. Um, going through what you're going through, how did you manage? Because when I talk to people about all the time, especially men is about, it's not so much about what we have going on, but it's how we respond to the things that are going on that's going to determine our outcomes and our success. So how did you, how were you able to deal with the difficulties, the challenges, the, the systematic things to hold you back, but still manage to keep your cool and be able to get to where you are? Well, it was a process uh, because, um, in the beginning, I wasn't the most tactful, mm. but uh, as my parents would say, it's easier to track bees with honey than vinegar. Mm. Uh, so yeah. I had to learn um, to code switch okay. in, in different environments because I found that if I can go in there and give them, uh, you know, they, they call it a reactive formation, give them the opposite of what I'm feeling in terms of my facial expression. They call it emotional intelligence. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if I went in there, and, and I could mask where I was at, it would always keep them thinking. So yeah. when they really thought that they had me, uh, 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 you know, defeated, yeah. you know, there, there was a, a speech by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, and, and see, I'm a historian, I love uh, black history. Yeah. And, um, and it was in a speech that if I had just sneezed, it was part of the mountaintop speech, mm -hmm. but if I just sneezed. Um, and, and in that, there was a little, verse that he had stated he says when you see 
uh, when you see black folks with their back straight up, that means they're going somewhere because the only way you can ride them is when their back is bent. Mm. So I did not bend for them to ride me. Mm. I stood chest up. Yeah. And yeah, and dealt with those challenges. And 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 I learned one thing you have to be prepared. Um, if you're dealing with the challenge, do your homework. Yeah. Uh, make sure you know all the different angles when you walk in there, you know, in order to deal with. And a lot of it was racial challenges I dealt with. Because in Indiana, you know, um, we I had a teacher that came in and advertised for my class and says, Well, you know, the Aryan Brotherhood is meeting in Homer City. And for those who are interested in, in coming, the Honorable uh, Blank Whittick, uh, Wickersham will be speaking at the rally. Wow. This is in our class room in advertising. So remember, there weren't many uh, African-Americans that were in that doctoral program. Yeah, yeah. So we took some challenges head on. Um, and I was always taught, man, that you stand for what you believe in. Mm. That's, that's, that's crucial, man. Um, that tact is very important. And I used to get caught up with a lot of that, man, because I have a point to prove, but I had too much steam on it. And my message would get lost in the delivery. So, you know, with, with, with that talking about emotional intelligence, I want to touch on this real quick. So when you were coming up, going through all that, what was harder for you when it came to your emotion? Was it harder for you to identify the things you were feeling, to process through what you were feeling, or communicate it? Well, see, uh, well, well, communication is fine, but comprehension is better. Mm. You know, some people say communication is the key. No, comprehension of the communication yeah. is the key. So what I did was I always um, aligned myself with, with like-minded individuals. You ever mm. hear the expression, uh, and it's biblical, iron sharpens iron? Yes. yes. But when you had those individuals, and I think as men, we need to be accountable to other men. Because there are some things that our wives can't get us through that we need other men that we could um, be able to release certain things to in order to help you get through it. Like when I was in college, uh, my friends, we used to have something called deep. Okay. We call them deep sessions. Yeah. So in other words, we would say based upon what the issue is, you know, in college, you have 100 level classes, 200, mm -hmm. 300 level, 400, yeah. five, six. Mm -hmm. And so when the brothers would say, yo, man, we, we, we need a, uh, we need a deep session, man. They said, well, what level are we working on, man? We 400 level. Yeah. So we knew that we had to come prepared to help bring that brother through whatever it is they were going through. Wow. You know, be it in the classroom, be it relationship wise, be it, you know, even if it was some interpersonal problems with, with uh, other folks, you know, we just band together and we helped each other. And, you know, I was blessed to have that at Stevens. I was blessed to have that at Mansfield. I was blessed to have that at uh, IUP, that we had that. And, um, and, and after that, actually, when I started teaching at Cheney University 25 years ago, um, I had started something called the barbershop. Okay. Now, the barbershop, um, uh, it was, it was, uh, do you remember that, um, Ice Cube had the movie that came that was called The Barbershop. Yes, sir. Yes, this sir. was before that. Right. <laughs> um, but but what we did, but we said in the barbershop, what's said there in the barbershop stays there. Right. 
Cedric the Entertainer said in the barbershop by Ice Cube, he said the barbershop is a place where the black man means something. Yes. Historically. Yes. And that resonates with me. And I always, I would have these sessions at Cheney when they would ask me to do workshops. Yeah. I would always preface it and let them know that this is the barbershop. Mm. What's said in the barbershop stays in the barbershop mm. because historically a great deal of your activism was taking place in the barbershop. Yes. Outside of what was going on in the Elks and the Oddfellas and the Masons, Masonic Logic. But the activism, you can sit in the barber chair and lean back. It's like it's, it's psychology, you know, working. Mm -hmm. it's, it's therapeutic. You sit there and you can release. And when you have like-minded people in those spaces, then we power each other. We sharpen each other. Absolutely. So, so that was a... Uh, that's how I was able to overcome many of those challenges while wow. finding with people like that. See, when, when I hear that, what I, what I hear from all that, that, that to have those deep sessions, to have that communication, the ability to work through that, what I hear from that is there was a lot of vulnerability and transparency in that. Yes, sir. What are, what are your thoughts on, when I say vulner, male vulnerability and transparency, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think vulnerability, uh, once you have your village together, in today's terms, we talk about villages. Yes. I think all men should have a village mm -hmm. and women should have a village too. And even as families, we should have villages that look out um, mm -hmm. for, uh, for our, our families. As a matter of fact, um, my sons, I have two sons, uh, Vincent, Brandon, and during their 16th birthday, um, we did a rite of passage for them. Mm -hmm. What I did was I invited for my oldest son, I had about 32 men assemble into mm -hmm. my uh, family room, 32 men. Mm -hmm. I sat my son down in front of the fireplace and I had these men pour into my sons. Wow. And it was not a top heavy group. I mean, yeah, we did have judges, we did have professors, we did have doctors, we did have brothers that just got out of prison. Mm. We had every different levels represented. We had a pro basketball player. We had a pro football player for my youngest uh, son. We had these different people came in my house mm. that were part of my village that poured into my sons mm. and let them know that to hold them accountable if mm. they're out on the street acting up to teach them about self-determination, to teach them about self-discipline, to teach them about, because they were athletes, how to deal with groupies mm. or how to deal with relationships, how to communicate. Mm. Uh, and then just basic things like that for both of my sons. And, and I allowed them to have a few of their inner circle of friends right. with them. And at the end, I gave them rings to put on their fingers in order to, for them to always remember what happened that day. And then it was videotaped. So then when it was time for me to speak and my brothers, my brother spoke, they were the last to speak before I spoke. Mm -hmm. And then I let him know, let them know what I saw in them from when they were little. I let them know about their gifts. I let them know about uh, having dreams and visions and goal set and all that stuff I poured into my son. But then I charged the 32 men that were in the room. And I said, now, if anything were to happen to me, you're my village. Yeah. And, I'm whole, and you were all selected here for a reason. Yeah. If anything should happen to me, 
I'm looking for all of you mm. to look out for my sons. Mm. And so in terms of vulnerability uh, and, and, and transparency, um, it's part of that. But the only thing is it can't be with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have your village. Yeah. You have like-minded people. You know, you don't want to have someone, if you're telling your child that, you know, that you should not indulge in smoking weed, but then you have one of your homies that are saying like, man, weed ain't that bad, man. Go ahead and try it, man. It's good. Yeah. That's not part of my village. Yeah. My village are those who understand my philosophy about life and parenting and fatherhood mm-hmm. and, and, and what I've instilled in my children because all my children are my investments. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so if they know what I stand for, they won't do anything that contradicts what I'm pouring into my sons mm. and my daughter, because my daughter too <laughs> is, is uh, she's, she's, she's pretty thorough. You know, she had her, her first three, she had three degrees by the time she was 23. Wow. You wow. know, so uh, I'm just saying all that to say, and she went to school late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, right. you know, she didn't start, start school on time because it was a January birthday. Right. So her undergrad was in three years. She got her MBA in one year. She got her master of leadership development in one year and mm-hmm. then got her project development certificate. Wow. You know, and this was in the um, in, in Penn State. You know, they had that uh, business school where mm-hmm. only 10% of the applicants get accepted. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just saying all that to say is that there are certain seeds that I've dropped yeah. with our children but we also have a village to reinforce where I'm at. Mm, so, that's the, yeah, so I see the vulnerability and the transparency. That's, yes, that's powerful. That's powerful. So let me ask you, man, being, because with, with the things that you're describing, the thing that you did, you know, that you do for your sons, with your village and everything, it, it, it kind of goes against, you know, with, with, with the idea or what society's take on masculinity is. But in rural, in all actuality, we know that's true manhood, everything that you're doing. So what would you give men today of all age? Like what's one piece of advice you would give them about masculinity? Well, you know, some, we, like I said, we need to be accountable. Yeah. We need to be accountable. You know, no man exists on an island as an island, Mm. which means that sometimes when you're going through things, you know, one thing that, that a lot of black males do is they uh, bottle up things. They, they don't release, uh, uh, certain emotions. And then people in general, you know, they retreat from any tension producing um, uh, vibes that they might have, yeah. you know, and, and men are more apt to when they are depressed or when they are sad, they're more apt to act out aggressively mm. because they don't like dealing with certain emotions, you yeah. know. So a- as men, um, those that you're accountable to, there are times that you would um, you, you have to feel comfortable as a man releasing, mm. um, you know, the whole concept of man up, yeah. handle your business, you know, and, and, and I came from a man's man, my dad, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and the first time I saw him, the first time I saw him cry was at his younger brother's services, funeral mm. services. And when I saw my dad, I always thought my dad was that man. He was the man of steel. He was Superman, you know? He kept it together even when they told him back in the 70s, 
that they weren't expecting him to be around anymore health-wise, that they were expecting him to pass away. They said, do whatever you need to do now. Mm. He lived 29 years after that. Mm. You know? But the thing is, um, I saw him cry twice in my life. Mm. And one time was when we honored him <laughs> and we blessed him. And, and he was already up in age and we blessed him. And he just sat in his chair because he has his, his chair, you yeah. know, that recliner. No matter how many kids are there, when he came, move. That's his yeah. chair. That's right. the man in the house. But when he broke down and cried there, I mean, it just hit me. I was just like, wow, mm. this is my Superman. This is my role model, my superhero. And he has that side mm. that he has to release. And when my dad, uh, right before he passed, the last conversation he had with family, when me and my mother were in the hospital with him, uh, we stayed most of the night into the morning. And he just, he asked, he uh, said to my mom, he said, where's Vincent at? And I was on the other side of the curtain. I said, dad, I'm right here. Right. I'm not going nowhere. And he looked at me and he just shook his head because he was pretty weak. He was just like, and like wink, just like, mm -hmm, I knew you'd be here. But he had already prepared my mom ahead of time. She said, look, mom, he said, uh, my mother's name was Claudia. He said, you will never have to worry about anything as long as Vince is around. <laughs> right. All the children right. that we have, he's going to take care of you. Right. So in terms of uh, uh, masculinity, um, you know, I did not come from a hugging family mm. until mm. later days in life. Like we didn't hug my dad. Like, yo, man, what you doing, man? You saw right. you don't hug on my on my dad. He's an right. army. He's he right. was uh, right. you know, he was a tech sergeant in the military. You know, he had right. guns, he had arms like yeah. you know, yeah. like yeah. my arms, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, but we didn't hug him. But you know what, man, as time went on and we got older, man, we'd hug that guy, man, and mm. we we you know, we released certain emotions and not just mom. Yeah. But yeah. see, that was the times that he came up under in the South. He couldn't yeah. show. Yeah. Couldn't show that. But that's what he instilled in me. You know, he 101, brother, if he was still here. That's what was put into me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we're taught in, in terms of masculinity that we're, we're um, I'm not meaning that we have to mean mug everybody we see on the block. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time that you let people know your business and you know that you stand for this and that. Yeah. But when you get into your, like, I call it front stage and backstage. When yeah. you get in the privacy of your backstage at home, yeah, then you it's time for you. You know that's when you the authentic piece comes up, it's the all, relaxed piece. Yeah. Yeah. But on the block, you show no weakness. Hmm. Okay, okay. Because that's just what I came up under, brother. Yeah. You know, yeah. in in the seventies where I live today, we weren't allowed to come as children. I'm in the same town hmm. where I live today. Wow. Um, a corner home, you know, I have American flag up on my flagpole, but I also had the red, black, and green flag yeah. on my corner house. And people would ride past my home and my home and blow the horn hmm. because they were glad to see like, man, one of us are in that part of town hmm. that we weren't allowed in. Yeah. You know, so, but, but we were just taught that in terms of masculinity that you show no weakness, you show no emotion out there. And, and that works one of two ways, because what I find as I get older, you know, I feel for those young fathers that are trying their best, yeah. but still their best is not enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and part of that, and that's why I created a, a, um, 
a mentoring group called the Dream Big Academy. Mm-hmm. And what I do with that is it's all volunteer. Nobody gets paid. Yeah. And what I did is I took young men or, or boys in middle school mm. and we start mentoring them and we mentor them all the way through college. Wow. So right now I'm at about, about 91% of my young men go to college. Another, <sighs> another, another, another 7% are in the military. Yeah. So I started this back in uh, officially uh, back in 2013. Okay. But my young men, man, I'm telling you, they are doing it. I mean, they are like, they're really doing it. You know, we pay them for grades. We give them incentives, but they did well. And I have to tally the number of scholarships they have. But all we do is expose them. Yeah, and we talk to them, and I had fathers who said, "Man, could you come get my son if you can talk to him? Because I believe he's going to hear you." Yeah, you know. So when you have fathers that are willing to come to you as a man in your community and say, "Man, if you can just talk to him, man, I believe we can we can still salvage him." Yeah, you know. So there's a vulnerability when you have men that are willing to do that. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's you powerful. Know. Yes, that, that, that's that's powerful right there, man. So, you know, real quick, when it comes to your own sons, do you or do you hug? Do you show that emotion with them? Are you allowed to? I know you talk about your backstage being that you didn't come up that way with your dad. Do you pass it on to your sons? Do you embrace them, hug them and show that side with them? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. man. Everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Right. You know, and and uh, to be honest, I'm more of an introvert uh, um, in work. I mean, okay. of course, I was more talkative. And if you right. do something against me, then you'll hear me. But I'm more an introvert. Right. So, But with my sons, if they were in a play in school, yeah. I was so proud of them. I'm just like, yo, man, that's my son, the third tree over there. He ain't right. got the acting part, but that's him, man. Isn't right. he the best tree? And then football, or whatever they did, you know, I'm I'm there to greet them. Yeah. And my sons come to me and they they hug me and they grip me up, you know, this yeah. and that. You know, my one son, six four. Wow. And my other son is he's about a five eleven. Okay. But you know, they know. And I told him that I will never apologize for being your dad. Yeah. And being there and being there for you. I don't never smothered them, but I was always there for them. I always supported them. And we yeah. still invest in them. And out on the block, if I see them, they come up to me, yeah, what's going on, Dad? They'll shake my hand and then they'll pull me in. Yeah. Vice versa. So I taught them that because that's the part that I lacked. Mm, that's that's a- the part that I lacked. I didn't know how to do that, man. You know, I'm in a, in a fraternity, starting a fraternity. And then, you know, people come to shaking your hands and pulling you in. I'm just like, yo, bro, what you doing? You're like, right. you off on you. What you doing, man? You know, we don't we do not do it like that. You're a little bit right. too close. Right. But, but I've learned. Mm. I've learned how to, to, to really show that part. You know what I mean? I really have. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. But yeah, I, I teach them the same. We communicate and I make sure they comprehend when we communicate. Yes. And I let them know, man, you can talk to me about anything mm-hmm. and it will stay right here. Absolutely. But if I can't help you, man, sometimes we might have to seek professional help because, you know, black men don't get counseling. Absolutely. We're Hispanic. And sometimes even when it comes to us, we, we, we have to come to each other. A lot of people are not going to tell you everything. And that's why you need that village. Yes. That's the vulnerability. 
Absolutely. So in, in the spirit of vulnerability and transparency, and I ask this because, you know, so many men, you know, they feel they got to suffer alone and in isolation and things like that. So and, and I want them to know that we all deal with things. So what are some challenges that you had today in life that you still had, you know, that you still work through, that you sort of perfecting your growth and development? What are some areas or one area that you still say, you know what, I'm still growing in this area. I still have a challenge in this area. Well, you, you know what my biggest challenge is, man, is that I look at people and I see potentials in mm -hmm. people that some people will accept and some people will reject. Mm. And I see it in them. And my thing is, I don't give up on people. Yeah. Uh, even if you're going to sit in, in, in prison for a little bit, I don't give up on you. Yeah. When you come back, you're still my, you know, you're still my homie. I still, we still talk. We're still, we're still good, you mm. know? And, and, uh, and that thing I feel, I feel when young people are suffering, I feel, man, I feel yeah. for it. And I'm, I'm like, always will. And I'm so glad my wife is like, and my children are the same way that we're willing to give back. Yeah. We're willing to give back. And sometimes, you know, you give it in, in the right spirit. You never know what they're going to do with it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. sometimes that can be pretty damaging to your site. It's like, man, did I just give them money to go OD or did yeah. I just give them this to help them? And that's a weakness because I feel people. And I know that some, some people it's a sickness for yeah. some of them, but I, I don't give up on people. And that's why I'm still at Stevens, man, because yeah. there have been other colleges and yeah. universities that have been trying to pull me away from there to work in their institutions. Yeah. I said, man, it's it's by divine order and, and by the Lord's will that I was able to come back there to give back, yeah. you know, and now, and I'm able to actually retire young. I'm able to retire young because I got my time in with the state. I, I am. I, I'm getting hit up by uh, the retirement, uh, you know, council all the time, sending me emails. and just like we can talk about your retirement. Right. You want to but see, I don't think my work is done. Yeah. You yeah. know, so in terms of, of a, a weak area, I just don't give up, man. I, I see potential and I still even when they when when they're on the block, I'll still go over to the uh, on the block and say, like, yo, man, come on. Come, come here for yeah, a minute. Man. Let's yeah. talk. And then other people are like, yo, you know, that guy's a shooter, man. He's a Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I know this young man. Yeah. I respect yeah. him. So I don't give up on them. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know if that's a weakness. I don't know if that's a strength, but. You can go both ways. I definitely understand what you're saying, because sometimes you care so much, man, that you put yourself, you put so much into it. And then it's like, man, when it doesn't go that way or it doesn't yield the return that you're thinking, it does hurt and it does pull away from other things you do have going on because you care so much. So I can definitely understand that. I definitely understand that. Yes, so being that you have so much going on, you're a professor at two different schools. You, you got your mentoring program. You have a lot on your plate. And I, and I ask fellas this all the time. What are some things you do for self-care? Well, you know what, man, I, um, I'm great around water. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and I know you can't hear, but I'm sitting in my family room. And I have this tank over here with water. Okay. And I'm okay. tuning into the sound. Yeah. And I'm one that will get in my car and ride out to one of the lakes mm. and sit. Or I'll go over, even when I work at Thaddeus Stevens, I would go over to that little stream, the Conestoga behind the school. Yeah. yeah. And park my car and listen, you know, in terms of, of clearing where I am. I also listen to different 
uh, motivational speakers. You know, I, I love listening to Malcolm X uh, because he was the master of the pause yeah. in terms of his speeches. Yeah. You know, when when you, I was so excited when you said this is made men, and it put me in the mind of Frederick Douglass, who one of his most famous speeches was self-made men. Yeah. yeah, and it was like a dynamite speech. You yeah. know, but I, I use different things to, in terms of self-care. Uh, to get me where I need to be. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, it's some things, like I said, you know, having the village there, uh, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes it's good to take that ride or to, uh, yeah. you know, I'll pick up a relative, come on, we need to take a ride. Mm -hmm. I need to get some stuff off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And because, you know, you know, stress is the cause of about 80% <laughs> of doctors' visits, yeah. stress-induced. Yeah or yeah. stress-related illnesses, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so I, I, I've learned in terms of self-care that, you know, I can't do it all myself. Yes. And I know that, you know, I, I used to be on all these different boards and board of director for this and board of that. <laughs> and my son humbly, humbled me one day, he said, dad, are you going to spend time with us this week, mm. this weekend? And you know what? I cut every board membership except for one. Mm. I said, you know what? I can't be out here healing the city if my family is ailing. Ooh. And he was just a young, he was elementary school. So in terms of self-care, you know, I take time for myself. Mm. And time management is so important. Yes. You know, if I can't do it, I say, brother, I can't do it. Yeah. Sister, I can't do it. You yes. know, I still refer to people as sir and ma'am, even younger people. Mm -hmm. Sir and ma'am, sir, I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Yes, yes ma'am, I can't do, you know, or whatever it is, because I know that, um, you know, I want to live long. Yeah. And in order to do that, it's all about self-preservation. And yeah. then I also learned that we have to jot things down. Don't keep everything up in your mind all the time. Right. You get systems overload. So self-care and stress and, and uh, not procrastinating, all of those things are gems for longevity. You know what I mean? So in terms of self-care, that's part of it. And uh, and also some walks sometimes, yeah. just taking yeah. a walk. Yeah. Let me step off for a little bit and take a walk. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So um, that's that's it. And, and you know, my music, and, and also my relationship with the Lord. I cannot leave this without talking about my relationship with right, the Lord. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I cannot leave this right. without that, man, right. because um, uh, my values, uh, as a, a Christian man mm. and head of my household, uh, not a dictator, but head of my household, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, that's um, a part of everything that I do. Yeah. You know, when I used to talk to y'all as students, I would pray first mm. that I give the right advice, not yeah. just acting on my own accord, but I, I seek. That's deep. I seek that for uh, and all the time, and and I'm just thankful for that. So that's a lot of my self care. Wow, that's powerful, man, and I love it. You know that that is the key to managing the overwhelming, distressing thoughts and feelings that we have, man, due to our personal and professional demands. So I I love it when I hear men talk about things they have a routine. That's awesome. Quickly, man, what are, what are just some things that bring you joy outside of your love for the Lord? Outside of you know water, I'm a water person too. So anytime I'm around water. That's 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 joy for me. That's peace for me. But what are some other things in your life that bring you joy? Seeing my investments grow. Mm. I'm not talking about my financial, financial investments. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Them. 
Yeah. But when I look at the likes of people like yourself, mm. I think about Francisco Santiago. I think about Philip Tucker. Yeah. I think about Justin Brown. I think yeah. about, I'm talking about students at Stevens. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think about, um, you know, the, the various ones, uh, uh, you know, too short or Jermaine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think about there's different sons. I, yeah. I, I adopted different ones, Derek Shields and mm-hmm. Corey and Anthony Harkins, uh, mm-hmm. Corey Ricks. There's different ones that I adopted through different eras. And so I was so proud to hear Francisco Santiago when he was speaking. And yeah. I was just like, man, this guy was like a son to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then seeing him at Millersville doing what he was doing and Derek up at Lockhaven doing what he's doing now. He's an educator in Saudi Arabia and, yeah. and different ones that own businesses. Yeah. And, and not only that, but the ones that are doing well and giving back to their communities. Mm. Um, uh, that brings me joy. And, and then just to watch my young adults, yeah. my, 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 my children, yeah. um, my daughter achieve and my son achieve, who actually went to Fatty Stevens also. Oh, but he okay. also went on to Cheney University to get his bachelor's and his master's at mm. Westchester University just this past spring. Mm. You know, so um, it brings me joy to see that, uh, and my youngest son and all that he's doing. And that's a, he, he, oh man, he, he's up and coming in, yeah. in different respects. Yeah. But the joy that I have just seeing them, you know, and knowing that I was part of that, you know, that brings joy, man. And then to see the underdog, because I was an underdog. Yeah. to see the yeah. underdogs persevere and win. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, it brings me joy to see uh, uh, just young people achieving stuff mm. and letting them understand that they're the standard. No one else is our standard. Yeah. We're the standard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that brings me joy to, to, to just see you doing what you do. Man, to see so many others do it. And Juan Jones and what he's doing up there with the young people, man. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric Benitez and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and Keith Four and, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, yeah. the fellas, you know, during that era, um, um, to, to see them powder them guys, to see where they were, yeah. you know, and not saying that, uh, uh everyone is not, uh, free from error because we've all have made mistakes. Yes. And it brings me so much joy to see these young folks walking across that stage, man, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done, man. I I, I made it. Yeah. That brings joy, man. Seeing them young people, man. It just like even just talking about it, it just like it 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 lightens me, you know. Yeah. Just to see that, man. And for people to come back sometimes 20 years later or even 30 Mm -hmm. years later, because I work with young people since 82, Mm -hmm. to say, like, man, thank you. Yeah. You impacted my life, man. You know what I mean? You you made a difference. And there's joy in that too, man, knowing that you made a difference in the life of somebody. Mm. That brings joy because people live their life not knowing mm. if they made a difference. But knowing that you did, that brings joy. Yeah, man, that's that is powerful. That is so powerful. What I want last question I want to ask you, man, and I kind of you talked about it all the way through and and, and I know what I hear, but I just want to know from you, man. And I'm and whether you think of it or not, or you consider it or not, but what type of legacy are you leaving in this world or, or how do you want to be remembered when it's all said and done? What do you want to be remembered for? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I would want to be remembered for making a difference mm. in each season that I was in 
that I was able to make a difference. And I am so humbled, even through Thaddeus Stevens. Yeah. They named the second floor of their library in my honor. Mm. That was 11 years ago. Wow. And what was said by Dr. Griscom, the president, he said, Vince, the only other special collection in this whole college is named after Thaddeus Stevens. Mm. He said, but this will be here. I have an African-American collection, second floor of the library named in my honor. But all of that is great, but I want to be known for, remember, for being a great father, mm. being a great husband, and being someone that made a difference. That's powerful. Brother, I, I will say this, Dr. Miles, man, this, this, everything you have done, not just for myself, but for everyone else around there, so you are actually one of the few people who get to see their legacy playing out like you i'm part of your legacy the other the other guys you name are part of your legacy man and i thank you and i appreciate you for everything that you bring into this world and sharing your gifts with others not just with your family and instilling great things in them but pouring into everyone else in your community everyone else at the schools that you're at so i truly appreciate everything that you're doing man i thank you i thank you for coming on today um, I know people are going to listen to this and want to know where, like, if they want to get in touch with you for the mention, where can they reach you at? Uh, the best way to reach me would be my, e well, my email, which is dr.vemiles at icloud.com. Got you. That's the best way to reach me, dr.vemiles at icloud.com. And I'm always willing to give back as time permits. That's the key variable. <laughs> time permits. I'm always willing to come in and to speak, mm -hmm. to empower, mm -hmm. to motivate, whatever it's necessary. I'm always willing to do that. And uh, again, I just feel honored that you would have me on here. And this is the first one that I've done in regards to uh, uh, a Zoom or virtual uh, interview. Well, I appreciate you for this. Listen, when I I told my fiance, I said, man, I think I'm able to get Dr. Miles. Like when we were going back and forth and trying to figure out the time, like you don't understand. Like I was so excited about being able to have you on here because I know you're so good. But I said, I think I'm able to get Dr. Miles. This is going to be huge because I know what you're bringing to this world, man. And I know like for you to take time to do this, I know there's something that is that you feel that is important. So once again, I appreciate your support. I appreciate you coming on. I wish you happy holidays to you, your wonderful wife and your children. And I look forward to catching up with you in 2021, sir. Yes, sir. God bless you too, man. And enjoy your holiday. Yes, sir. You too, man. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm here, my brother. You know I love you. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. I just want to be I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.